So here we are in Big Ideas of the Bible. This morning we're going to talk about uh, mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. Mercy me and oh my gracious. Anybody hear that growing up? So uh, as, as you all know, I have to start with a story. So uh, back in 1935, in the midst of the, the Great Depression here in the United States, one of the worst times, one of the worst uh, economic times that ever hit our nation, the man that was the uh, mayor of New York City's name was Fiorello LaGuardia. He's a very popular uh, Mayor, obviously they named a, an airport after him, but he was known for doing things kind of out of the ordinary. And one night in 1935, he showed up at night court and this court happened to uh, be in one of the worst areas of town. And he just showed up at, at this court and he told the judge, hey, I'm gonna give you the night off, go home, be with your family, whatever it is that you need to do. And the, and the mayor himself actually sat as judge for that evening. And as they were bringing in the, the cases and, and, and he's passing judgment and handing out sentences and things like that, some, sometime during the night, uh, a little lady, an elderly lady came in and she was dressed in, in just tattered clothes. You could tell that she ha had had a, a rough time about life. And as, as she came in, the, 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 um, the, they read what, what she'd been accused of. And what had happened is she had stolen a loaf of bread so the, the mayor asks her, did you steal this loaf of bread and why did you steal this loaf of bread? And she says, well, yes, I stole the loaf of bread, but the reason that I did it is because my daughter is very ill and she's not been able to work and she has two children and her husband has abandoned them and they don't have any food. So the, the mayor said, okay, and he looks over at the, the, the man that had brought the complaint. He was the grocery store owner, and he told the, told the judge, hey, this is a bad area of town. You, I know it was just a loaf of bread, but you have got to punish this lady so everybody will know that you can't get away with just doing whatever that you want to do in, in our neighborhood, and the mayor had a grieved look on his face and he looked back at the lady and he said, I am so sorry, ma'am. He said, the, the law is very clear and I'm gonna have to sentence you. He said, I'm sentencing you to 10 days in jail or $10. Now, $10 back then in today's money would be close to $180 which is still not, you know, that's not a huge fine. I've, I've paid more in speeding tickets, but uh, <laughs> for somebody that couldn't even afford a loaf of bread, you know, it might've well been a, a million dollars. But even as he was giving the sentence, he's reaching into his own pocket and he pulls out a $10 bill and he said, and that $10 fine is paid right now, paid in full right now, and I'm dismissing this case. Now, he could have stopped right there, and, and that would have been fantastic, great story to tell, wouldn't it? This lady got off, she got the bread, somebody else paid, paid the price for, for her guilt, 
But the mayor didn't stop there. He said, not only am I paying her fine, but I'm charging everybody that is in court tonight 50 cents for living in a city where somebody has to steal to feed their kids. And he sent the bailiff around and he collected 50 cents from everybody in court that night, including this red-faced grocery store owner who refused to drop the, the charges against her. And after he had collected, he said, give it to this lady. And they had collected $47.50. Once again, putting it into, de- into today's money, it would have been about $850. And that's a great story, but w- well, what do we get out of it? Mercy paid for her guilt. Grace blessed her in spite of her guilt. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, just grace and mercy, mercy and grace. Mercy and grace are related. Grace is what saves you. But mercy bore the weight of our sin. Mercy pays the doctor, but grace heals the disease. We need both mercy and grace. Grace. Sometimes people like to mix them or we don't understand the difference between the two. But this morning, I'm going to show you the difference between the two and you're going to see why we desperately need both mercy and grace. So we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. And it says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Now I want you, just real quick, I want you to see the beginning of that scripture and the end of that scripture. Let us come boldly so we can receive help when we need it most. Come boldly when you need it most. Usually when we need it most, when we've messed up or we're hurt or something's bothering us or somebody has done something to us, what do we not do? We don't come boldly to the Lord. Sometimes we let sin, we let guilt, we let whatever keep us from coming into the presence of God to receive what we need. Sometimes because we're angry at somebody or we're we're walking in unforgiveness, It keeps us from coming boldly before God's throne. But he's saying, when you need it the most, sometimes we're in doubt. Sometimes, have you ever doubted God? (laughs) Quit lying. Because if you haven't, your faith's probably not real. If you've never questioned, if you just, if you, if, if, if you just grab everything hook, line, and sinker and you've never had to work it out, hey, faith without test is just theory. You hearing me? Faith without test is just theory. And sometimes when that test comes and we start to, to, to quiver and we start to shake and we start to worry and we start to wonder and we're going, oh, oh, Lord, he's not going to want to see me right now. That's when he's saying, come boldly. Come boldly at those times when you need it most. And what are you gonna get when you need it most? 
There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace, mercy and grace. Most people prefer to dwell on grace. Why? Because we're human. We like to get things, don't we? We like things. I mean, listen, Ephesians tells us that it's by grace that we're saved. Scripture tells us that sin is no longer our master, so we live in the freedom of God's grace. Scripture also tells us that God has given us spiritual gifts. You like gifts? I like gifts. I like presents. God has given us spiritual gifts according to his grace. Every time you see grace, you're getting something. You benefit something every time you see grace. But what about poor mercy? Mercy, it says, everyone is imprisoned to sin, so God shows mercy. <clears throat> doesn't that just send a tingle up your leg? That one excites me, doesn't it? Oh, everyone's imprisoned to sin. Well, guess what? We are imprisoned to sin unless we've connected with mercy. We need mercy. Mercy is the cross where Jesus took our sin. It deals with the dark stuff. It deals with the ugly stuff. It deals with the shameful stuff. Grace is the resurrection where we're now children of God. It's bright. It's happy stuff, right? Let's be honest. You'd rather get a present then be reminded of the spanking you should have gotten, right? You would. Any parents ever do that to their kids? Man, I should have worn your behind out for that. I should have grounded you. I should have taken away your keys. I should have done all kinds of things. Nobody wants to be rem reminded that they should have gotten trouble. But we sure like getting presents, don't we? Yeah. So sometimes we look at mercy that way, but we need to understand that mercy and grace are really the opposite sides of the same coin, and we need both. We need both. So let's look a little more deeply at mercy for just a few minutes. All right? In the Greek lexicon, mercy is defined as kindness and goodwill to the miserable and afflicted. Well, that just kind of builds my, my case there against us not really. Who wants to run to that? I, I just feel miserable and afflicted. Miserable and afflicted. Who goes around going, how do you feel today? Miserable and afflicted. But we have been miserable and afflicted. Sometimes we, we need that, that uh, reality check, don't we? There are times in my life when I have been miserable and afflicted, and in that time, I need the mercy of God. Sometimes we don't even see it and understand it, and, and, and God has to give us that reality check. In Jesus speaking in the book of Revelation, talking to the seven churches, speaking specifically to the church at Laodicea, he said, you say that you're rich and increased with goods, and in need of nothing. Well, it sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? Man, I've, I've got it going on. I don't need anything. But Jesus says, but the truth is, you're poor, 
wretched, naked, for all you East Texas folks, that's naked, and blind. But Jesus doesn't live it, leave it there. Find your first love. Come back to me. There is mercy there. No matter where we are, no matter where we've gone, there's always mercy. God is a merciful God. And we need his mercy. The Hebrew word for mercy implies, according to somebody really smarter than me, somebody has a PhD in, in Hebrew. I looked this up on, on the internet. And this, this doctor said that the, that the Hebrew word for mercy implies getting inside someone's skin to view life and feel what something or what someone is experiencing. Let me read that again because I, I bobbled over it. Getting inside someone's skin to view life and feel what someone is experiencing, that's mercy. To move in and act on behalf of someone who is hurting. And Jesus did both of those for us, right? Jesus left heaven to come to this earth to get inside our skin, to experience life the way that we live life, to experience hurt and pain and temptation just the way that we have so he could be merciful to us. He also is acting on our behalf as he's carrying our sin for us. Now, the greatest illustration of mercy, in my opinion, one of my, one of my favorite stories because there's just, there's just so much packed into it, is out of Luke chapter 10. And what happens is Jesus is in the synagogue and one of the, 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 the religious teachers decides he's gonna ask Jesus a question. They're always trying to ask him questions to, to get him to stumble or to get him to say something they can accuse him of. And this religious teacher says, well, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, being smarter than most of us, instead of just running at the mouth like we would, he turns it around and says, well, what do you think it is? And the man says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, good answer. Do that, and you will live. But the religious teacher, you know, trying to justify himself... He kind of fell into Jesus' trap. He's trying to trap Jesus and he winds up, you know, having this conversation with him and now they're looking kind of like their buddies and he doesn't want to be Jesus' buddy because all of his buddies are against Jesus. So he has to ask another question. He goes, well, wait, 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 wait. Just who's my neighbor? And that's where we'll pick it up in Luke chapter 10. In verse 30, it says, and Jesus said to him, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. By chance, a priest was going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side of the road. Likewise, a Levite also, 
when he came to the place, saw him and passed on the other side of the road. I'm gonna stop for just real, just real quickly right here. You know what? That's what the world thinks of the church most of the time. They think that we see them in their sin, in their hurt, in their mess, and all we wanna do is be on the other side of the road because I don't want your cooties on me. I, 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 don't, I don't need any of your sinfulness touching me for I am holy, right? That's what the world thinks, that we're gonna get as far away from them as possible. And that's why Jesus is using two church people he didn't say a businessman came, came by. He, he said, basically he said, the pastor came by and then one of the elders of the church came by and they did nothing. But then a Samaritan came by. And if you don't know the background of the Samaritans, the Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. They did not mix. They did not like each other. There was always something going on between them. But it says a Samaritan who was on a journey, came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. Mercy is always motivated by compassion. Always motivated by compassion. Think about this. If that man had not been laying in the ditch half dead and the Samaritan came by, he may have looked at him. He may have cursed at him. He may have spit at him. This, this is how much animosity there was between these groups of people. But even though that's his enemy laying in the ditch, he's motivated, motivated by compassion and he stops. Love will always cause us to stop. Mercy is always motivated by compassion. When's the last time we just did something out of compassion? When's the last time we did something just because? When's the last time we did some, something for somebody that we probably weren't gonna get thanked for? You know, Jesus told his disciples, said, hey, loving those that love you and doing good to those that do good to you, he said anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. He said, in fact, he said, even, even the heathens, even the sinners will do that. But you love your enemy. When's the last time we did something sheerly out of compassion? Think about that. Scripture goes on to say, and he put, he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Mercy gives care, not condemnation. Mercy gives care, not condemnation. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Some of you think that you have spiritual discernment. You can see everybody else's problems. That probably is not God. It's probably a religious spirit. If, 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 if your gifting is seeing what's wrong with everybody else, that's not God. Because God loves seeing what's right with people. God is so in love with people that even before they become Christians, it says that Jesus died while we were yet sinners. While we were still broken, while we were still in our sin, Jesus had already paid the price. He's not afraid 
of their dirt. He's not afraid of their problems. And he's definitely not going to sit there and pour condemnation on somebody. So once again, if you think that's your spiritual gift, pointing out everybody else's problem and telling them about it, you're doing work of the enemy, not the work of God. I've done it. I am not pointing fingers. I have done it. Okay? Sometimes you get angry with somebody and you can see what's going on in their life. I've done it. But let's not be that way. Mercy gives care, not condemnation. Verse 35. On the next day, he took out two denarii. And if you don't know what that is, that is a day's wage. A whole day's wage. I don't know how much you make a day. We'll just, just say a couple hundred dollars. He took out $400 and he gave it to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more, whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Mercy pays the price no matter what the cost. Notice, he said, even if it costs me more, now, do you think that when he woke up that morning, he's thinking, I'm going to go find somebody laying in a ditch and I'm going to take money out of my own wallet and I'm going to pay for this somebody. And it happens to be somebody that would hate me if he was wide awake. But I'm going to pay for it. And you know what? Even if when I'm traveling back through, if this man has gotten better and he has left this, this inn and he's not even here, I'm telling this man, I'm going to come back in and I'm going to pay you more if it costs more. Mercy pays the price, no matter what the cost. Jesus did it for us, didn't he? All have sinned and come short of God's goodness. All. Every one of us. Even those of us that like to polish our halos, we've blown it from time to time, haven't we? We have. But the mercy of God is enough that no matter what is going on in my life, the price is paid. God is that good. And in verse 36, Jesus says, Now which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy towards him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. Go and do the same. And Jesus is still saying that to all of us. Go and do the same. Because we understand that God owed us nothing. And we deserved nothing. Yet he was merciful. Mercy should not only be received, but it should be given. As Matthew 5, 7 says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Let's be people of mercy. Now let's look at grace real quick. We'll just switch gears here. We're gonna look at grace. While mercy is God not punishing us for the sins that we deserve, grace is God blessing us despite the fact that we don't deserve it. Are you understanding this now? Mercy doesn't give us what we deserve. Mercy doesn't give us what we deserve. Because in the grand scheme of things, we all deserve hell. But mercy doesn't give us what we deserve, and grace gives us what we don't deserve. 
That's how good God is. That's how good God is. Now let, let me illustrate it uh, this way. There were two pastors, two pastors from the northern part of the United States that happened to be traveling uh, down south for a, a, uh, a pastor's convention. And they got up early the morning that, that the, the, the convention was starting and they decided to stop and get some breakfast. So they went in, sat down, and they ordered. And when the waitress brought their bacon and eggs and toast out to them, on their plate was this white, mushy stuff. And one of the pastors looked at the, the waitress and he said, what's that? And she said, well, that's grits. And in a not too nice tone, he said, well, I didn't order that. I'm not eating it and I'm not paying for it. And, you know, being a, a genteel Southern lady, noticing that he did not have the, the, the twang of those who lived around her, she said, well, sir, down here, you don't have to order it. And it's free, so you don't have to pay for it. But what you do with it is up to you. Mercy and grace are the same way. You didn't order it, but you got it for free. But what you do with it is up to you. It's up to you. Mercy is getting those grits on your plate. Grace is you don't have to pay for them. But what you do with it is totally up to you. In Galatians 2.21, it tells us that we can nullify or we can frustrate the grace of God by trying to earn our way into God's favor. See, God's favors, God's favors and his gifts, his good things, he gives to us even though we don't deserve them and could never earn them. There's no way that we could ever earn salvation. No way. And unfortunately, there are still people in this world, there are people sitting in churches today Churches with crosses up on top of steeples who still think that if they do just one more good thing than one more bad thing in their life, that, that God will look at them and go, well, you were 51% good and only 49% bad, so you can come on into heaven. But guess what? Does not work that way. Even if you were 99.9% .9 good, it still does not work that way because you could never be 100% good. It doesn't work. Therefore, there is grace that saves us. His mercy pays for it. His grace brings us in. We're rescued from judgment by God's mercy. Grace is everything that we receive beyond that. Whatever you need, Whatever you need, grace is there to meet your need. And he meets it according to his purposes and according to his word. 
But we don't want cheap grace. We don't want cheap grace. Grace that is just about me receiving but doesn't compel me to turn around and give is cheap grace. Grace that says, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Because his hands are extended out to us with the good things of the kingdom. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't get past the hands to press into his face to know him. Cheap grace is going to God and asking for forgiveness. Now, what, will he forgive us? Absolutely. But it's cheap to just ask for forgiveness and not live in repentance. Because repentance is changing the way that we think about that and doing the exact opposite. So if we keep falling into the same thing over and over and over again, and I'm going to God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Will he forgive me? Yes. But what is the ultimate goal? Is that true repentance would come in my life so I'm not living over here in the midst of this mess anymore. So we don't want cheap grace. Now let's go back to where we started and we're gonna finish up right here. Back to Hebrews chapter four. Verse 16. Now let's read it and think about the things that we've been talking about. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I need his mercy I need his grace. What do you need this morning? What do you need this morning? There was an advertisement on the side of a plumber's van that read like this. There's no place too deep, too dark, or too dirty for us to handle. What a perfect picture of mercy and grace. There is no place too deep, too dark, are too dirty that the mercy and grace of God cannot reach you. What do you need this morning? Bow your heads with me.